Great to see you all. Thank you so much for being in the house as we continue our series. And I just want to echo what Pastor Russell said. Uh, go to, go to that, our website and upload your miracle. Tell us about what God's been doing. We're hearing so many stories just in the lobbies and as we're hanging out in small groups. And we want to put it down so we can share it with everybody. And you can encourage everyone with what God's doing uh, in your life. And I want to encourage you, you know, miracles don't just happen when we do a miracle series. Amen. It's meant to be in our daily lives every single day. And uh, uh, But hopefully this series is spurring our faith and stimulating our faith to believe God for great things and to begin to pray and believe him not just here in church but out there when we're with our family and friends on the campuses wherever we are believing God for great things can I hear an amen to that and so I'm hearing so many great stories we just want to collect them and encourage one another with it um, a couple weeks ago I was with some of our every nation pastors in Los Angeles and you know we're all in this series together and just hearing so many testimonies about what God's doing in their churches all around the country. It's been really, it was really encouraging to me. And I want to share one of these stories because I got to visit um, our Every Nation Church in Pasadena, uh, pastored by Pastor Robert Hearn. And uh, when I was with him, he was telling me this story about a lady by the name of Mama Lita. They call her Mama Lita. Uh, I think we have a picture of her. There she is. And, he, and, and Mama Lita got diagnosed with rectal cancer. And so she was scheduled to have surgery coming up and to remove the cancerous tumor. And during their, their prayer and fasting time that we were all in together, she said she felt a, a warmth go throughout her body. And she felt God speak to her that, that she was healed. She just had this thought, man, I'm healed. So she went to the doctor for the regular follow-up, getting ready for the surgery. And the doctor couldn't find the tumor. It was gone. And the doctor was amazed. Amen. You can praise the Lord for that. The tumor was gone. And so I said, I got to meet Mama Lita. And so when I got to Pasadena, they introduced me to her. She ran up to me. She gave me a hug. And, and, and she's like, oh, Pastor. <laughs> Sorry if that offends anyone. But that's what she said. Oh, Pastor, I don't need surgery. She was so excited. And I just texted Pastor Robert this week. And he said, yep, the tumor's still gone. Doctors are still amazed. They're going to do an MRI because they can't figure out what happened. But we know what happened. Amen. God showed up and God healed her. So uh, we're excited for those kinds of things. And I know those testimonies like that are happening. We had testimonies here in our church of hearing that was gone for, for years came back. We want to hear that so we can encourage one another with those stories. Amen. So go to our miracle wall. God is at work. Well, we are continuing our series today looking at the next miracle in the book of John. And we're, we're going to be in John chapter 6 today because right after Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the multitude, he sent his disciples into a boat and he said, meet me on the other side of the lake. He sent them ahead of him to cross this lake uh, to get to another place. And so we pick up the story here in John chapter 6 because along the way they encountered a storm. It says in uh, John chapter 6 starting in verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. While they got into the boat, where they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. This is God's word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals to us who you are and reveals to us how we are to walk with you and respond to who you are. So, Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit you'd open up all of our hearts to understand your word and what you're saying to all of us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you recall, at the beginning of our series, the Apostle John refers to miracles as signs, right? And signs are meant to point to something. 
You don't go somewhere just to see the sign. You go to see what the sign is pointing to. Isn't that true? And so miracles are signs that are meant to point to Jesus, to give us a greater revelation of who Jesus is, to bring us to a greater relationship with Jesus. And so here in this next sign, we see this miracle of Jesus walking on the water towards, their disi- towards the disciples while they were going through a storm. And the miracle of him calming the storm and taking them, transporting them to the other side of the lake in the middle of a fierce storm that they were facing. And there's a few uh, principles that I want us to all take out of this message uh, from this text here today. First of all, up on screen and in your notes, sometimes Jesus leads us through storms to build our faith. Sometimes Jesus leads us through storms to build our faith. Now, when I was a kid, I had a friend, a neighbor, who invited me to go to church, and he said, you need to invite Jesus into your life. He was like, I was like 10 years old. So that all your problems will go away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of you are laughing at that. And I remember as a 10-year-old kid going, that's not possible, that if I just invite this Jesus into my life, all my problems will go away. But sometimes Christians, we think that way. If I'm walking with Jesus, if I have Jesus in my life, I shouldn't experience any storms, any trials, any problems. Anyone want to be honest in church and say, sometimes you think like that? Yeah? If I'm walking with okay, there's no honest people in church today. Okay, we have another problem. <laughs> but sometimes I think like that. Hey, I'm walking with you, God. I'm obeying you, God. I'm sacrificing for you, God. I'm doing my best here, God. I shouldn't have to go through this storm. I shouldn't have to go through this. And the disciples here were obeying Jesus. Scripture tells us that he told them to get into the boat. Look at Mark's account of this very same event. The Gospel of Mark tells us that immediately, right after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. Immediately, he made them get into the boat. It wasn't like a suggestion. They didn't do that on their own. He told them, get in this boat, get across the lake. I'll see you on the other side, essentially. So he sent them into the storm. Now, I don't know about you. That troubles me sometimes. But sometimes Jesus sends us and leads us through storms. Now, I don't believe, we don't believe that God is the one that causes storms in our lives. We've said this before. John 10 tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a very real devil that does a good enough job sending storms into our lives. But I think what the Bible teaches is God will use those storms to shape us, to form us, right? To bring glory and praise out of those storms. But sometimes he sends us into them, and that's troubling to me. But this is important because a lot of times when we go through storms, we can think, am I doing something wrong? Am I not in the will of God? You might be in the will of God, and it might be the enemy resisting you. You might be doing exactly what God is calling you to do, getting into the boat, going to the other side, and the enemy is resisting you because there's a very real devil that doesn't want you to get to the other side. But sometimes God sends us through them because he knows there's something that needs to be formed in your faith, something that needs to be formed in your life that will only be formed if you go through that storm. And so Jesus knew, because he's, he's God, that they needed to go through this storm for some reason. And we know that as they went through it, God was doing something in them, formed something in them. The Gospel of Mark also gives us a clue about this. Verse 51 in Mark chapter 6. After Jesus calmed the storm, Mark's account says they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand what the miracle of feeding the multitude was all about. Well, what was that all about? It was about revealing that Jesus is God. He's, he's the Lord. He's not just some magician. He's not just some miracle worker. He is the Lord God of heaven that we need to follow and submit to. Mark tells us that at this point, the disciples didn't fully understand that yet. They thought, man, did you see that trick? <laughs> how, he, how he multiplied the bread and fish? And that was pretty cool. But they didn't yet have the full revelation that he was the Lord. 
it took a storm to help them to see that. It took this next storm to help them to realize who Jesus was and how they needed to relate to him. Matthew's account tells us a little bit more. It says, after he calmed the storm, those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. It took this storm to get them to realize, oh, he's not just a miracle worker. He is the son of God. So Jesus in his providence, Jesus in his omniscience knew that they needed to go through this to understand who he really was. Sometimes we go through storms because God knows there's something that our faith needs that will only be developed as we go through the storm and experience his presence and his power in the midst of that storm. What storm are you going through this morning? What trials are you facing in your life? Sometimes it's of our own doing, right? We got into it ourselves. We can't blame God for that. You know, like if I go rob a bank and I end up in jail, I can't say, okay, God, clearly you led me into this storm. No, no, I did that, okay? That's not, that's not on him, right? But sometimes we do everything right and we're still going to walk through a storm because God knows there's something that our faith needs. There's something that needs to be developed in us. See, all of us want storm-free lives. How many of you want a storm-free life? I do. I got bad news, though. The Bible doesn't tell us that we can have a storm-free life. I wish it did. I've been searching. and I've <laughs> It's not in there. But here's what the Bible does say. We can have a storm-proof life. That when the storms come, when we go through them, we can be resilient and persevere and be victorious. And I want to tell us a little bit on how we can do that. But we're not going to have storm-proof, uh, storm-free lives. We can have storm-proof lives. But we have to go through them from time to time because there's something that needs to be developed. When I was, uh, when I, when I was in college... Remember, I was, I, was, I was having this moment with God. I was like, God, it's not fair. It seems like whenever it rains in my life, it pours. Anybody feel like that sometimes? It's like it's either really sunny and life is awesome or, man, it's really hard. Yeah, it's never just kind of in between. It's either life is great or it's like storming and pouring and really, really hard. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> or is that just me? Okay, good. Thank you. I was starting to feel insecure. Um, it's kind of like yesterday, right? We went through this crazy storm yesterday. Power was going out. We had a leaders meeting here. The lights were flickering. It was kind of nuts, but, you know, we got through it. But so I was praying God at that time, why is it like that when it's either really good or really, really bad? Why does it seem like when it rains, it pours in my life? And I felt the Holy Spirit kind of whisper to my heart, because if it only drizzled, you wouldn't, you wouldn't run for cover. Think about it. When it drizzles in your life, we're fine. Go on with life. It's fine. I don't need a jacket. I don't need no umbrella. I'll walk outside. I don't care. No big deal. It's only drizzling. We don't change when it only drizzles. Oh, but when it pours, oh, we run for cover, right? We find the jacket out from the box in the attic, and we're like, I got to get my umbrella. You know, we, 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 we change our behavior when it's storming outside. Have you noticed? We change everything about ourselves when it's pouring, but when it's just drizzling, I'll just go about my business. No big deal. And I feel like God allows storms because there's stuff in us that he wants us to change, but also he wants us to learn to run for cover and find shelter in him. Maybe right now you're experiencing a storm season in your life. I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident, unless you caused it by yourself, by robbing a bank or something, God has allowed it because he's trying to deepen our faith. He's trying to do something and reveal a greater revelation of who he is in our lives. The question is, will we look to him in the storm? Will we invite him into our boat in the midst of the storm? Or will we just try to figure it out ourselves, as we'll see in just a little bit? But God allows storms because he's trying to do something. He's trying to shape something. He's trying to form something. Many of you may even be experiencing the storm of the fact that you've been praying for a miracle throughout this series. And you've been hearing other people experience miracles, but you haven't experienced your miracle yet. That's a storm. And you're feeling like, God, why, hasn't I, why haven't I experienced my breakthrough yet? 
He's trying to do something in your faith through the waiting, as Pastor Russell said earlier. Through the waiting, through the, through the length of time, he's doing something. And it's important that we recognize that and lean into him in the midst of that storm. The next thing I want us to see here is that remember that Jesus is near to us amid storms. And I love this. <clears throat> he put them in the boat, sent them across the lake. They encounter this fierce storm. But Jesus wasn't far away. He was near. In fact, it says he was coming towards them in the storm. I want to encourage some of you today. You, you may feel like God is far away. I know when I'm going through stuff and storms are raging in my life, it doesn't feel like the Lord is near. But here's what I think Scripture tells us. He's never far. And in fact, in the midst of the storm, he is always drawing near. The question is, will we recognize him? And will we invite him into the boat? Because he's not far away. Look at what Hebrews 13.5 says. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's a promise that he will never leave us nor never forsake us. He's always near to us in the midst of the storm. I love this promise from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice it doesn't say if you walk through waters, if you walk through fire, if you walk through storms. No, but when. He's there. Amen? He's there. The question again is not is God near. The question is will we recognize his nearness and will we invite him into the boat of our lives? That's always the variable. Not God's nearness, it's our response to him. That is always the variable in the equation. How will we respond to God's nearness? So they were paddling all night. Jesus is walking towards them. And it says initially they didn't recognize him, right? And many times as we're going through our lives, we're trying to paddle, we're trying to figure things out, and we don't recognize God's nearness, but he's near. Will you recognize him and will you invite him in? And the third thing, our own efforts are not enough. Jesus calms the storms when we invite him in. Get this picture. They were paddling all night, paddling all night. And it says in Mark's gospel that it was in the fourth watch of the night that Jesus came to them walking on the water. The fourth watch was somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now think about that. You're paddling all night, right? By about 3 a.m., I don't know about you, I'd be pretty exhausted. I'm at the age now where at about 10 p.m., I'm pretty exhausted. Like, I, I don't want to do anything else. 3 a.m., I'm, I'm barely functional, you know. So I can't imagine paddling all night in a storm trying to figure this out and probably thinking, what, Jesus put us in this boat? This dude told us to get in this water. Man, does he not know? And just getting upset, just getting frustrated, getting exhausted. They were probably, you know, I, I'm ready to quit, man. I know, me too. I'm just feeling super discouraged about the thing. In their own strength, they couldn't get through the storm. In their own efforts, in their own flesh, they couldn't figure it out. But Jesus was coming towards them. And when they finally invited him into the boat, what does it say? Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. God performed a miracle. Mark's account tells us when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. See, the question is, are we going to invite Jesus into the boat of our lives? Or are we going to keep trying to figure things out on our own? Now, I don't know about you, I usually call out to God after I've tried everything in my own flesh and it's not working, right? I guess I better pray about this because nothing's working. We don't have to wait till we've exhausted our flesh. We don't have to wait until we've hit ground zero or we've hit rock bottom to call out to God, amen? He's near. He wants us to invite him in from the very beginning. He wants us to invite him in early on. We don't have to wait till we've tried everything and failed and then now, okay, now I, I'll reach out to you. But you know what I love about this? It doesn't say that Jesus is like, oh, oh, now you guys like invite me in, huh? Oh, I see, I see. 
after all that, oh, you try it all in flesh. Oh, oh, you guys, you're done. You know what I mean? Like, you tired now? Okay, fine. Right? He doesn't do that. When we invite him in, he's gracious. He comes in and he calms the storms in our lives. The question is, are we going to keep on trying to figure it out in our own flesh? Are we going to try to just muscle it up? My marriage is not doing so good. I got to figure it out on my own, right? My, my relationship with my kids is not so good. I got to figure it out on my own. Finance is not so good, right? You, you get the picture? But that's usually what we do. We wait until we've done everything, and now I can't do it anymore, and then finally I'll call on God. We don't have to wait till the fourth watch of the night, amen? We can call on him today because he's coming near to us. He's available to us, waiting for us to invite him in, waiting for us to invite him in. And maybe that's where you are right now in your life. You've been trying everything to solve this problem. Jesus is saying, will you invite me into that? Will you invite me into the boat of your marriage? Will you invite me into the boat of your job and your finances? Will you invite me into the boat of whatever it is you're going through? He's waiting for us to invite him in. And then lastly, the reason why this is important is because on the other side of our storms, there are people there whom God is calling us to reach. When they landed it where they needed to land, they ended up in this region called the Gennesaret. And there was a demoniac whom Jesus casted demons out. And then revival began to break out in that region. And the disciples now, with a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, they were now ready and equipped to minister to the people on the other side of that storm. See, sometimes we need to go through storms so that we can help other people. Because the storms that we go through aren't unique to us. I used to think, man, I was the most messed up person on the planet. And then I started meeting other people and I realized, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm in good shape here because we're all messed up together. And I, but I began to realize, man, if Jesus can transform my life, then maybe I can help someone else experience that hope and that healing that I've experienced. And when we go through storms, sometimes it's so that we can empathize and understand what other people are going through, but also so that we can point people back to the Jesus that calmed my storm. If your marriage is challenged right now, man, let Jesus into the boat of that marriage. Watch him heal that marriage, and you can help your coworkers and your neighbors whose marriages are just as challenged. Amen? If you're dealing with depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff, let Jesus into the boat. Let him work with you and heal you. Then you can help the other people all around you dealing with that same depression and anxiety. We need to allow Jesus into our boat so that we can help other people learn how to put, help Jesus into their boats as well. When I was going through the three years of my, my son's health challenges and just feeling like, man, this isn't fair. Man, I've been serving you now for 20 years. I've been faithful. And you can easily come to that place of feeling like, man, what happened? And, you know, in those moments, you have, you have two choices of what you can do with that. You can either go down the path of this isn't fair and shake your fist at God. And I know many of us have probably felt that way. I can go down that path of being angry at God. Or I can go down the path of, okay, God, you've allowed this storm for a reason. What are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to deepen my faith? It's a choice that we can make. We can take one path of bitterness or one path towards faith at every moment. Sometimes multiple times a day, right? We have a choice to make. To, to choose which path to go on. And I, I was so tempted many times to get upset at God. Man, after all I've sacrificed, all I've done, why are we going through this? This isn't fair. But then I began to realize, no, God, you've allowed this storm for a reason. I know you're not far. I know you love us. What are you trying to teach us? How are you trying to shape me and form me through this process? I remember one night feeling sorry for myself in prayer with my wife and just realizing, you know what, there, there are a lot of people dealing with sick kids and challenges with their, their children's health. How can we help them find faith if we don't find faith in this? How can we help them find Jesus in the midst of that storm if we don't find Jesus in the midst of this storm? And I remember I, I looked at my wife and said, we have to go through this. And we have to find Jesus in this so that we can help other people find Jesus in their storms as well. 
Our storms are not unique to us. What we go through, man, there are lots of other people that go through it. The question is, will we find Jesus in the storm so that we can help other people find Jesus in the midst of their storms as well? And in the moment, it doesn't feel good. I'm like, oh, I feel much better about my storm now. Yeah, because I get to help people. No, I'm like, I don't care about them, right? When you're going through stuff, you're not thinking that. Can I be honest? Right? You're not thinking, oh, yeah, that makes me feel so much better. Oh, yeah, I'm suffering so I can help other people. You know, you don't think that. Not right away, at least. It took me a while. <laughs> I did come to that place, though, but not immediately, right? But... We don't think that because we're going through stuff in ourselves. But as we walk through it and we begin to see Jesus in it, we begin to see how Jesus will use this to help other people, it does help. It brings so much encouragement to know, okay, God, there is meaning in this. There is purpose in this. There is victory in this. But you got to find him in the storm. He's not far, but you got to invite him in. Every moment, every time that anger comes in, every time that depression, that fear comes in, we have to invite him into that storm. Every time there's tension in, 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 that, in that marriage or in that relationship, we got to invite him into that storm. Don't try to paddle out of it on your own. Invite him in and watch what he can do in calming and quieting that storm. And then he uses us to be a blessing to others as well. To help me illustrate this message, <clears throat> it's a guy that I've known now for almost 20 years, and uh, he experienced a storm recently and experienced God's breakthrough power in the midst of it. So will you help me welcome my friend James Lee? Come on up, James. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. This is round two, Mr. Lee. Good to see you. Thank you, buddy. Hey, we, I didn't realize we color-coordinated today. It's, it's a green, green, green kind of day. Amen. Um, you know, this is, this, is, this is James. I've known him for a while now. Just, just real quick, you know, just uh, kind of a backstory about our relationship. Um, his wife and my wife are good friends from middle school days. They go way back. And when James first started coming to church, um, started coming to a, a small group that I was leading at my house. And, um, and so I, sometimes he would get to my house before I'd come home. So I'd come home, and there's James sitting on my couch watching TV. Um, my favorite memory, though, is I, I came into the house one day, and, and, and this townhouse that we used to live in, the front door faced the kitchen, and the refrigerator is like the first thing you see when you walk in the house. So I come into to the house, and I, I noticed my refrigerator door is wide open, but you couldn't see behind it because there was a counter, you know what I'm saying? So I, I see my refrigerator door open, and so I'm like, why is my friend I'm taking my shoes off? And all of a sudden, James stands up with holding a plate of grapes. Hey, Bill, welcome home. You hungry? So hospitable, man. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> That's the kind of relationship we've had over the years. Um, but anyway, James is always raiding my fridge, eating my food. Not, 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 not. He has much better food at his house than I do now, so I like going to his house. But, um, you know, James, on the outside, um, looks like you have everything. You know, the American dream. You got a great job. Um, wonderful family. You guys live in a beautiful house. I mean, everything seems to be going good. Everything that, you know, you'd aspire to have on the outside. Um, but internally, you were going through a storm now for many months. Um, tell us about that and how that was affecting you and your family. Uh, so as Pastor Billy mentioned, um, yeah, I got good, great family, two beautiful girls, beautiful wife, uh, have everything that I could ask God for. Um, I've been in law enforcement for, several, uh, for quite some time. But one of the things that I struggled with in, in my entire life was I'm, I'm, I'm a natural introvert. I don't know if that's a weakness or not, but I've always been an introverted guy that kept to myself a lot. Um, I struggled with a lot of insecurities growing up. So that's kind of the context of kind of who I am. Um, and then mixed in with law enforcement, because in law enforcement, you don't often see the best side of humanity every single day, right? You're always trying to mitigate that through trying to, trying to be justified and going out there and serving the community. So uh, two years ago, I took a promotion in my job um, in a command position where I oversaw some, some aspects of the enforcement operations. And 
what had happened was when I took that particular position, God wasn't really at the center of it. I've been a Christian for about 17, 18 years, uh, so I've been coming to Grace Bible for, or Pearl Side for quite some time as well. But in that moment, God wasn't at the center of why I took that promotion. I felt it was because of my pride, my ego, success, very driven that way. So fast forward some years um, as I'm going through this, um, I, the, this amount of stress and anxiety that I had from the job um, started to accumulate. And this is nothing tragic that I endured. I never experienced it. God, thank, thank the Lord, I never experienced anything tragic in my life where, you know, it would bring this deep, dark storm that just hung over my head. It wasn't noticeable at the time. But basically, the stress of the job, having to do this day in and day out, just what I did, just over time, in small amounts, just got worse and worse. And it was unresolved. So uh, last year, uh, kind of, hit full steam where I got into a really bad depression. I'm still, I'm still going through it now. I mean, I'm not cured from it, but I got to a point where the stress I couldn't handle. And Pastor Billy's talking about you're in that boat paddling. I was paddling on by myself. I didn't want to have God in it because I felt my ego could take care of that, right? So ended up that, um, you know, I just started getting to this deep, dark storm. I just was very inward. I started getting very angry. The rage started hitting me. And... Uh, Basically, what I felt at the time, uh, early last year, was I didn't really care about it anymore, right? I was like, you know what? You know, I, I'm in this place. I don't want to talk to anybody. My introverted nature started to kick in where I felt like I could isolate myself and deal with my own. Um, I tried to reach out to my small group, and they helped me through it. But I made the choice on my own not to engage because I felt I could do it on my own, right? So it came, it, it came so uh, my two girls are in, uh, they're, they're in competitive dance, right? They're ballerinas. And uh, I, I love ballet. It's great, right? They, yeah, I'm a, I'm a full-on dance dad. And uh, so we go, we go every, every, every year we go to Vegas uh, to compete. So I felt, you know what, I'm going to go to Vegas, right? I'm going to Vegas, and then after I'm going to drive to L.A., go to Disneyland, happiest place on earth. I'll forget all my worries, right? Ends up that I carried all that stress with me, not knowing that uh, anything could trigger that rage at any given time. So when I was in Vegas, what happened was my two girls, uh, they, they got done competing. And then uh, what happened was my oldest one, she, or my youngest one, wanted ice cream. And this is at the Venetian Hotel, for those of you who've been in the hotel, like a big food court with like Italian ice cream or something like that. So, ended up my youngest wanted it. My oldest one just started making this smart comment to me. And I exploded on her in the middle of the, of the hotel. Uh, the rage just came out and I grilled her so bad. So I remember uh, standing there just yelling at her because telling her like, why are you treating me this way? I mean, I'm your father. How dare you talk to me like that? It was in the middle of the food court and it was horrible. And uh, I just remember everyone was watching or at least I think everyone was watching, but I didn't care because I felt comfortable in that rage. And, you know, my wife had to intervene because it was really bad. And I realized that moment that, um, man, what, where, where am I heading? So we, we did the whole thing in Vegas to L.A., came back. Um, I thought it was going to be okay. And then I realized that I got into a worse depression to the point where um, physically I didn't want to, you know, my hair was a little bit growing out back, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't take care of myself. You know, I was really short and angry at people. And I started having thoughts of suicide. And I was like, why am I, why am I feeling this way? What, why is this storm happening to me? I, I couldn't rationalize it. And um, so this dark depression hit um, every day. Like, uh, I, would, I would go isolate myself, and I, I, th I thought about killing myself, right? I got a gun. I can blow my head off any time. You know, all that stress from work and, you know, doing, doing the daily routines. And um, so that's, I realized I was hopeless. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. And I thought depression was something that would affect people who are broken already. Right? Uh, I didn't think that guy like me, an average Joe, uh, would be 
experiencing something traumatic like this in my own life. So, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that, man. I mean, you know, to a lot, you know, to to be transparent like that. But I think you know we all know it's not something that is unique to only certain people. A lot of people go through it and and deal with that. And so, thank you for sharing that. And it was beginning to affect your relationship with your kids, um, your, your your marriage. Um, thinking about ending your own life. So how did you now invite Jesus into your boat? Like what was the turning point where you invited him in and began to experience healing? So I, I realized at that moment, hopelessness is, hopelessness is no matter where you're at. You know, it's no matter where you're from, it's where you're at at that time. And I realized that I needed something to, to change what I'm going through because I didn't want to do the worst thing I can do is take, take myself uh, out of this world. So I, I, I tried to reach out, try to find a psychologist, but I couldn't find one because they're all booked. I think this pandemic really jacked people up big time. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I can't wait two months for a consultation. So what am I going to do? So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to call. I'm going to talk to my small group every week, you know, and I'm going to reach out to the one guy I knew who would be available. So I, I texted Billy. So we set up a time and date to meet. And then um, and, and at that time, uh, 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 you know, I realized that this is who I got to reach out to. And that morning, and just to, just to also share that every Sunday I used to come to church. I used to be in that queue. I, well, I'm still in that queue with you guys. But every Sunday I walk in, I'd be so angry. I didn't want to talk to any of the greeters. I apologize to all the greeters as well. I'm sorry if I'm being rude. <laughs> the greeters, the ushers, the people singing next to me. I was so cynical and angry that it just bothered me to be in that seat. I couldn't understand why you would sing the same chorus over and over again, right? But <laughs> You know, but, but the thing, that's the, but I, I know why. I was just so cynical, right? And uh, I didn't quite realize how dark I got. And my wife's sitting next to me. She's worshiping her heart out. And I'm, like, sitting there like, oh, man, I wish I could do the same thing. Anyway, to answer your question, Bill, so when I reached out to you that Sunday, he, he's the one that reminded me we had a meeting that morning of. I didn't want to go to that meeting, but he reminded me. So we went back to that green room, and I started sharing my heart out, saying how angry I was. And he basically shared with me that, Dude, you got to do two things. You got to cry out to God to be honest, and then you have to understand why you're going through that storm, which is what I did. So I prayed a quick prayer. God, help me. It's all I really said, right? It's all I said. And that opened a doorway for an opportunity where I realized that when I said God, help me, often he speaks, through to, other, he speaks to you through other people, right? Not, I don't have an audible voice in my head telling me, James, son, you got to do this. He speaks to me through other people. So there was a guy, that, a colleague of mine, that was going through something similar where he had uh, gone through a domestic issue with his spouse, his oldest daughter had overheard them arguing, and he actually said that he wanted to kill himself too. So the daughter called the, called the HPD. HPD came, and they actually issued him a citation to be out of the house for a certain amount of time. He's, he surrendered all his firearms. But that moment, uh, I realized what had happened. So I had reached out to him by text message. He had asked me to call him. So we called, yeah, called him. And I, I don't ever do this because I'm a, I'm a selfish dude by nature. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just not very good with with uh, uh, expressing, like, encouragement to others in a way where I, it's meaningful. But I prayed for that guy for the first time. I never prayed for people on the phone. So I, I, I was on the phone with a guy. I said, I'm going through something just like you. We prayed. Granted, there was some expertise in the prayer, but we just prayed, <laughs> right? And then ended up, it was a real moment because we still keep in touch today about it. Um, and then fast forward another week, or a couple weeks later, this past week, I had a really good moment with my daughter. Because my daughter and I, my oldest one, suffers from anxiety. She, she, told me, she told my wife uh, months ago that she hears voices in her head telling her she's not good enough. So that broke my heart. So um, I remember why did she tell me that? And I realized that I was probably the cause of all that stuff. Anyway, so we, um, uh, there was one day I cut off from work. I was so angry, rage. I, I was unresolved, and I just 
there was an incident where she had done something to her little sister, and I exploded on her again. I started yelling at her, top of my lungs. And then I remember um, after I dropped her off the dance studio, I went in my van, and I started praying, God, God, you got to help me. I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to do anything stupid. You got to help me. So I remember uh, just a quick thing, and then I went back to my house. I sat in my van for like 30 minutes, went back to my house. I said, you know what, I got I to gotta, I gotta do something for my daughter. I got to help her. So I remember I told my wife, I'm going to pick her up. I'm going to take her to the Jama Juice and then um, talk to her about my depression. So I told her, and then she broke down crying because she didn't understand what that was. So I remember I drove to the Jama Juice with her, and then we got the drinks, came back. And then uh, she, she sat next to me, and I remember I got, I got to pray for her. So first time ever did this, ever since she was a baby. I put my hands on her. I pray for her. I said, God, help her through this. She, and then she started sharing me how she suffers from anxiety. She hears voices in her head telling me she's not good enough. <laughs> so I remember at that moment, as a father, how inadequate I was. Here's a guy that I'm an LEO. I try to exude this tough exterior, trying to make it seem like I have it all together. And then here's my daughter suffering from anxiety. I didn't know how to resolve that, so I told her I'm sorry. <laughs> And then at that moment, um, I felt like, God, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you fall down, you, you scrape your knee, and your mom's there, you pick, she picks you up, she puts you in your bosom, that comfortable, like I started hanging out of my nose, man, sorry. Hey, there, good, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, just shoot it out. Just she, she puts you like, in your like bosom. On the <laughs> Boom, just one She time. puts you in your bosom, and she says, tell everything's good. I'll tell you one thing. One thing that you'll never get anywhere else in this world in your depression is this unfathomable, intangible sense of peace that God can give you. Good, that, that beats anything, any kind of money that can, you can throw at it. So good, I just remember that. And uh, uh, Anyway, so my oldest one, she, we, we bonded a lot this past week. Um, she shared with me things uh, she never shared with me before. And she's only 12 years old, right at the cusp of her adolescence, man, heading preteen. And I know that if I don't speak life into her, it, it, it's going to break her. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, that's Man, what, yeah. thank you, buddy. I'm going to hand for James. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't get this emotional in the last service. Sorry. Man, these, <laughs> these guys are getting the good stuff. The last service was, was so clean. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. So, hey, thank you for being transparent and, and humble like that because, you know, that, I think that's what happens, especially I, I can't speak for women, but for men, you know, we put on this, this tough exterior you know, like everything is fine, and we try to paddle all by ourselves through life and not realize, and we're not getting anywhere in this storm. But I love that. You know, you opened up the window for the Lord to come in. I, I remember as we were talking, I didn't give him any profound advice. It was simply that. Like, invite Jesus in. Be honest with him. Be real with him about how you're feeling, what you're going through. And as he did that, you invited Jesus into that boat, and he began to bringing these revelations to you from your friend, this opportunity with your daughter to bring reconciliation and healing there. And that was just as simple as inviting Jesus into that. And you were telling me when we were talking before that you'd never done that before. You'd never really prayed about your work situation. You never really prayed about your anxiety, your anger. And just by doing that, you began to experience more of God's healing power in and through yep. that. Awesome. Thank you so much, James. Uh, you know, having gone through all of this, and you know, it's a work in progress, right? You're not completely out of the woods or out of it yet, but you're learning how to invite Jesus into that. How would you encourage us? Because all of us go through different storms, whether it's like what James is going through, depression, anxiety, maybe suicidal thoughts, to 
external things, health challenges. But how would you encourage us from what you've gone through to inviting Jesus into the boat of our storms? I realized in my life, I, I, it's just for me, I'm, I'm always either exiting a storm in the middle of one, about to enter one. It just seems like that's the way it is with life. I, the mountain peaks are very slim and far for me. But I realized that's where God works in that valley, in that storm. Like, you know, he gives us a choice, right? Either you run to him or run away from him. You, you run to him. I'm probably going to go through the same experience that I did now, but my response has been much more hopeful, mm. right? Much more significant since that I'd be closer to God, drawn to him. I did the opposite. I ran away from him, even though I knew what the right answer was. And that's the reason. I, 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 unfortunately, I dealt with the consequences of that, right? But there's always hope of redemption for the future. You know, for the men out there, you know, we try to exude a tough exterior. We try to mask our insecurities with our pride every single day, right? And as a father, that's what I did to make it seem like I'm the hero for my girls, but the only way I could ever be honest with my girls, especially my oldest one and my wife, right, is to just express to them how honest I am. The small group that I'm in, they're the, they're the small community that actually builds me up every single day. And it's going to take you singing that chorus eight million different times, right, in order to get the message through your thick skull, especially for the <laughs> men out there, right? So that's what I'm saying. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you, you, he was telling me, uh, yeah, I never understood why we sing the song over and over and over again. But I get it now because <laughs> it takes that long to get through my head. Yeah. You know, James, you also, you also shared earlier about, um, you know, you go into small group. You've been going for 17 years now. But t talk about that, the honesty and the transparency factor about that. So in the Bible, I'm, I'm not an expert in the Bible. I read a few verses here and there. But somewhere in the Bible, right, it's, it talks about how I think David in Psalms, he's always honest with God, always cries out to God in the beginning. Then there's restoration at the end. Being brutally honest with yourself and just expressing what you're going through in a way where it's not just about your day at work or just complaining about work. It's about how that all comes together. Expressing in a brutally honest way with your small group and a God is the start of healing right there because the redemption comes after. You don't get redemption from being dishonest with yourself and masking your insecurities. That's, what that's, I, that's exactly what it is. And that is awesome, buddy. Thank you so much for being brutally honest with us and transparent. Love you, buddy. Thanks, man. Awesome. Great. And you didn't, and you didn't, you didn't cuss in this service. <laughs> now, you know, I think that's the key, being brutally honest, being honest with ourselves, being honest with God, being honest with the people in our small groups. That's what it's for. The world tells us we need to perform and put on a tough exterior. Everything is fine. Just paddle on your own. Figure it out. It's weak if you ask for help. It's weak to cry out to God. No. We were never meant to go through life alone. We were never meant to bear the weight of these burdens and on our own. We were never meant to paddle through the storms on our own. Jesus wants to be in our boat. And when James opened up and said, God, help me, he invited Jesus in. The change and the transformation began to happen. As he said, he's going to continue to go through, as we will, the storms of life. But now he knows how to handle it differently. Instead of running away from God, we need to run to God. Amen. Instead of trying to figure it out on our own, we invite Jesus in to help us through the storm. And that's what he wants every single one of us to do with whatever you're going through. The miracle is that when we invite him in, he's the one that begins to lead us through these things. But we got to invite him in. Amen. We got to invite him into the boat of our lives. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us that you're near to us in our storms. That reminds us that no matter what we're going through, God, you are not far away. Help us, Lord, like James did, to stop running from you, to stop resisting you and figuring it out on our own, but to, with humility, invite you in.
and invite people in to walk alongside of us through these storms of life, God. We can't do this on our own. We need you. Maybe on the outside it can look like we're doing fine, but we're wounding relationships. We're wounding the people that we love the most. And we're drifting further and further and further from your perfect will. Help us to invite you in so that we can experience your hope, your peace, your strength amid whatever storm we're going through. You're here this morning, first of all, and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. That's the first thing you need to do is to invite him into the boat of your life as Lord and as of Savior. Maybe you've been coming around church over these last few weeks and hearing these stories of miracles and all that, and, and maybe now you're ready to invite him into the boat of your life. That's the first step. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning, if that's you, to invite Jesus into your life. You're ready to follow him. You don't have to have it all together. None of us do. But you're ready to make Jesus Lord. Pray this prayer with me as I pray aloud. And church, I invite you to pray along with those who may be praying for the first time this morning. You're ready to invite Jesus into your life. Pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again, breaking its power over my life. I invite you into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it. I want you to tell the person that invited you that you prayed that prayer. And then secondly, you'll hear some instructions in just a little while on your next steps. Because that prayer is just a first step. There are, there are necessary next steps that you need to take to grow in this relationship with Jesus. But we're thankful that you're here and we want to help you along on that journey. For the rest of us, could we all stand together? I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us through this chorus of scripture, uh, chorus of worship. And as we sing... Let's draw close to the heart of God because all of us are going through storms and we need him in our lives. Amen. Let's invite him into the boat of our lives as we worship him this morning. Amen. Let's sing this again.